we're going to do this because a hundred years from now, the church needs to be powerful and impossible to ignore. The church needs to be undeniable in our city of Los Angeles. There are just too many people who come here so gifted, so talented, so fragile. And I'm telling you, Los Angeles needs what we have to offer. And we need to let our city know we're not going anywhere. We're here to stay. If you believe that his love is one tonight, if you believe that his love has won tonight, come on, his love has won over your fear. His love has won over your shame. His love has won once and for all. Come on, let's give him praise. We love you, God. We thank you, Jesus. Oh, man. Is anybody excited to be at the 8 p.m.? I don't know. There's something special when you can gather on a Sunday night at 8 p.m. I feel like that is the perfect way to roll into your Monday, right? Like you're going to go to sleep singing worship. You're going to wake up like just shouting these songs of faith tomorrow as you walk into your week. Is anybody ready for what God has in front of you? So good. My name's Don Shuri. I am so happy to be spending this night with you. And before you're seated, why don't you turn to your right or your left, give a couple high fives, tell somebody I'm glad I'm sitting next to you. Tell them you look good. Well, how's everybody doing good? Have you had a good day? Like, you've already had a full day. You realize that, right? You are, you've had a full Sunday, and now we're here together. And I bring a lot of love from Miami. You may not know this, but we consider you guys family. And uh, my husband sends a lot of love, Rich. His name is Rich. And, um, you know, two years ago, we launched out on a word in our hearts that we really felt like God had called us to plant a church in the heart of Miami. And as we launched out, there's a lot of questions and into the unknown is the perfect description of when God puts a word like that in your heart. But as we stepped out, I'm so thankful for this house because you may not know it or not, you may not know it, but if you call this place home, you've been a part of the miracle story in Miami. Because your pastors have a vision not just to see this city changed with the love of Jesus, but to see the globe changed with the love of Jesus. That's why they take the time, right, to send a crew down to Houston to help people repair their lives, put them back together. Why they care about what's going on on the other side of the world with world hunger. Why they care about what's going on in Miami. And for the first year of our church plant, you guys sowed every single month into our church in Miami and thousands of people have met Jesus because of it. And I just want, yeah, it's exciting. I want to thank you with all my heart and I also want to thank your pastors because they are faithful. They are examples around the world and I'm grateful to have their example in front of me. So I honor you both. I love you, Pastor Kim. 
Love you, Pastor Irwin. I'm grateful for you. Come on, let's put our hands together. Hey. They're awesome. But I have a word on my heart. And uh, if you can't tell, I'm not from Miami. I, can you hear that at all? Is it there? There's a little bit of a southern twang. I'm from Louisiana. And so as I shout, let me just tell you, I'm a raging Cajun. So you got to shout with me. Is anybody with me tonight? Are you going to lean in? Okay, cool. Deal. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to read Old Testament. And as you're turning there, I just want to catch you up with where we're at in the text. We're going to read about a man named Moses. Moses was an ordinary man, just like you, just like me, who experienced the power of our extraordinary God. And the story of Moses is really interesting. Moses was born in Egypt during a time when there was a government-mandated genocide. All Hebrew baby boys were being killed. And so Moses' mother sought to save him from the death squad. She takes him, and she hides him in a basket among the reeds in the river. And the Bible tells us that Pharaoh's daughter goes to bathe in the river, and she discovers Moses there in the basket. She brings him back to the palace, and as she takes him back to the palace, Moses is adopted as the grandson of Pharaoh himself. He's raised as royalty. He's educated as royalty. And Moses grows knowing his Hebrew roots because his mother was brought in as his nurse. The Bible tells us that Moses grows up to be a young man, and one day Moses is walking and he sees a Hebrew slave being beaten by an Egyptian slave master. And Moses snaps, and he murders the Egyptian slave master. And from that moment on, Moses' life, he is on the run. He is off the grid. And the Bible tells us he runs to a place called Midian. Midian is the wilderness. Midian is the middle of nowhere. And the word Midian is made up of two words that mean strife and pleading. Midian is a horrible place to live, but it's a wonderful place to hear from God. This is where we find ourselves in the text. Moses is caring for a flock of sheep that belong to his father-in-law. And he's walking and he sees a burning bush consumed by the power of God. And a voice comes from the burning bush and it's the voice of God himself. And God starts a conversation with Abraham, and we're going to peek into it tonight. Verse 11 says this, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And I want to speak to you for the next few moments on this thought, say it again. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, thank you for tonight. God, I am so grateful for your faithfulness. And God, as we share this moment together, we realize that your presence is real. And God, if we have questions, we open up our hearts to allow you to reveal yourself to us tonight. 
Speak to us through your promises. We trust you, we love you, and we thank you. And everybody said, Oh, come on, come on. And everybody said, (laughs) Y'all are awesome. Hey, I have a question for you tonight. How many of you would say that there have been times in your life when it is hard to hear the voice of God? My hand's up first. Are you with me? You know, I don't really think that it's that God is not speaking. I think that oftentimes we're not listening. I grew up I grew up in a really big family, big southern family and you know, I went home over the holidays for Thanksgiving. Now, what you have to understand about my dad is that my dad is a pastor and a football coach. Oh yeah, baby. That means Friday night football, Sunday morning church. And to be honest with you, the only times that I've heard my dad yell are either when he's preaching or when he's coaching. And so we went home for the holidays and Friday night rolled around and you can guess where I was. My dad was coaching. We headed to the football game. And when my dad coaches, he actually coaches from up high in the press box. And I don't know if you know this, but when you wear a headset intercom, you can wear that headset intercom up in the press box and he wears it so that he can speak in a regular voice and everyone can hear him on the field from the press box. And I don't know about you when you go to a football game, but when I go, guys, I'm not really paying attention to what's going on the field. I'm caring about what is the food at the tailgate party. Like, what colors are the uniforms? What have my friends been up to? What's going on in the halftime show? Fiance's there, we are set. But the last thing on my mind is what's going on on the field. But somewhere around the second quarter, I start to hear a really familiar voice. And I start to think, is my dad preaching right now? And I look up at the scoreboard and he's not preaching, but we are getting destroyed. Destroyed to the point where my dad is yelling at a decibel that the headset intercom is no longer needed. Everyone in all of the stands can hear everything he says and then he does the unthinkable. I've never seen him do this in my whole life. He gets out of the press box. And he starts walking down the center aisle of the stands towards the field. And all I can think is someone is about to die right now. My husband's sitting next to me in the stands. And if you know Rich, he he loves to capture every part of our life on social media. Pray for him, please. I'd love some privacy. He jumps up from his seat when he sees my dad walking down to the field. He pulls out his phone and he is following my dad down the stands with his phone out. When all of a sudden he sees the fire in my dad's eyes, he turns off his phone and he walks the opposite way. My dad walked down to the center of the field. He pulled all the guys together and they could not be distracted. They could not play their games anymore. Guys, I don't know if they were saved before that night, but they gave their lives to Jesus on the 50 yard line. I'll never forget that night because I could see so clearly from my seat as my dad pulled every one of the boys together and they couldn't do their own thing. Now he had their full attention. He gathered them together and I watched him as he looked them in the eye one by one and said, are you listening to me? Listen to me. Are you listening? You know, I really feel 
like weekends like we've just had at Mosaic Conference, and every Sunday that we gather in a moment like this, it's a moment when heaven comes to earth, when Father God takes the time. He's just waiting for us to listen. When he comes face to face with us and he simply says, are you listening? I've got a destiny for your life that would blow your mind. I've got more purpose than you could ever create with your own dreams or your own plans. The question is, are you listening? This is where we find ourselves in the text. Verse four tells us that God says to Moses, he calls him by name, he says, Moses, and then he says it again, Moses, to which Moses replies, here I am. And then God says, Moses, take off your sandals, for where you're standing is holy ground. Now, God doesn't say Moses one time. God calls him twice. Can I tell you today that God calls you by name? That it's no accident that you showed up with a cup of coffee in your hand tonight to Mosaic because God knows your name. And he knows way more than your name. He knows everything about you. And he calls you tonight. How many of you are thankful tonight that he calls you by name? Some of you need to hear this tonight because God doesn't just call you once. Maybe he called you last year and you brushed it off. Maybe he called you years ago. Maybe he called you at the beginning of this year. But now you find yourself in a wilderness. And you question whether God still has a plan for your life. But I came to tell you tonight that he calls you by name tonight. That he seeks to use you. He seeks to put you right in the middle of the plan that he created before your life even began. And God calls Moses by name, Moses. Then he says it again, Moses, to which Moses responds, here I am. Can you just say that with me really quick? Here I am. Life begins when you say that to your creator. It doesn't take you pulling all the pieces of your life together for God to invade your life. You don't have to walk in here and act like everything is perfect. You don't have to put on a charade. You don't have to check a box on your five-year plan before God gets involved. No, all you have to do tonight is say, here I am. God, here I am with my weakness. Here I am with my insecurities. Here I am with my mistakes. Here I am. I am here, and at that moment, God will invade your life with a power and a strength and a rejuvenation that you could never even imagine. Moses says, here I am. To which God replies, Moses, take off your sandals for where you're standing is holy ground. Now that's not really language that we use every day, is it? Like somebody says to you, hey, take off your sandals. What, come again? What, what are you talking about? But, but hear what God was saying. You're saying, Moses, your ordinary moment, you caring for this flock, you going through your usual day routine, it just turned into an extraordinary moment. Hey, you in your car on the way to work, sitting at your cubicle, at your desk, 
taking care of your kids, doing your studies for school, I can take an ordinary moment and turn it into the extraordinary. If you will awaken to my presence, if you will be aware of the moment, don't run ahead to the future, don't keep your eyes on the past. I am here right now, waiting and willing to speak to you. So Moses positions himself. He takes off his sandals. God, I'm not running ahead. I'm not distracted. I'm focused on you. But let me ask you, once you position yourself to hear from God, how do you actually hear him? How do you actually hear the voice of God speak? You know, I started dating Rich when I was 17 years old. I never dreamed that I would fall in love that young. And no, not every Southern person gets married at 18 years old. My parents got married when they were close to 30 and you know, we fell head over heels in love. And I'll never forget, Rich was in Miami, I was in Louisiana. We had this long distance romance. I'll never forget the day my mom walked into my bedroom with the long distance telephone bill. And some of you in this room, you don't even know what that is. There were no free nights and weekends. The struggle was real. And my mom walked in and she had that list of papers. She said, girl, something's got to change. I said, mom, my phone plan needs to change. <laughs> and man, I remember Rich would call the house and I have five brothers. And one of them at the time had not, had not walked through puberty yet. And he, uh, his voice sounded exactly like mine. <laughs> So Rich would call and he would answer the phone. Hello. <laughs> and Rich would always fall for it for the first few minutes, you know, but always somewhere around the two minute mark, Rich would catch on. And he would say, Des, put your sister on the phone. How did he, how did he know? How did he know that it wasn't me? because he had taken the time to get to know me. He knew the way that I thought. He knew the way that I talked. He knew the way that our usual conversations would go because he had had countless conversations with me. And maybe today the real question in your heart is, how do I hear God speak? I would encourage you to start to get to know him. Start to find yourself in moments of worship. Start to pick up your Bible and to read his promises for yourself. If you seek him, he promises that you'll find him. If you run after him, he promises that he'll lead and guide and direct. Can anybody testify in this house that God is faithful to speak? So there Moses is, and right, he positions himself in a place to hear from God, and God speaks. And this is what God entrusts to Moses. We see it in verse seven. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. 
and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. This is such a personal message to Moses if you realize what he's already been through in his life. God is telling him, go back to Egypt and tell your people that I've seen them in their misery, I, I, I've heard their cries, that I'm concerned and that I will rescue them. Do you realize that Moses had already seen the fruit of that promise in his own life? That as a baby, before he could even utter a prayer, before he even knew the words to say, God saw him there in the reeds in the river. And God heard his cries. And God was concerned about his life. And God came and rescued him. And now God is in the same message that Moses has already witnessed the faithfulness of to him to carry back to Egypt. You know, I, I gave my life to Jesus as a little girl. I prayed a prayer, and I know that at that moment, the Spirit of God really did fill my life and change me, that he really did make me a new creation. And I, I gave my life to, to Jesus in kids' church. Aren't you thankful for the leaders in kids' church who sacrifice week in, week out, who pour into the next generation, who take the time. Come on, this is not babysitting. This is leadership development. These guys are gonna lead it one day. They're gonna run with it. But can I be really honest with you? If I hadn't had a moment where I had entrusted God with my life and received the hope and the love and the peace that his presence gives in every season of life, there's nothing that I would have to offer you tonight. Because before I can offer the message of peace, before I can offer the message of hope to you, I've gotta hold it for myself. And some of you today, you want to take a message around the world that is gonna change the world. You wanna hold purpose. You're seeking destiny. You're seeking direction. You wanna lead people to a better place. But can I encourage you tonight? Before you can lead, you've gotta receive it yourself. You gotta be baptized in the love of God. You gotta understand that he's with you in every single season. When you open up your Bible, it's stories of ordinary people, just like you, just like me. They have a past, they got junk in their life, but somehow they experience the grace of God and it changes everything. And always the most recent recipient of grace is always the most willing to go and tell it, to go and share it, to make the invite, to not show up alone, but know that the people in their life need to hear the message of truth. This is what we've been entrusted with as followers of Jesus. And hear me today, it's not just a one-time message that we carry. I have a friend who has a son named Andrew. And Andrew is awesome. And he started kindergarten this last year. And he was so excited about school, they took him out and got all of his supplies, something really exciting about that, I don't know, every year. I wish I still got to go get supplies. But they took him and got his backpack and his uniform and all this stuff and they got him ready for his first day of class and they woke him up in the morning, had a big breakfast, took him to school. They picked him up at the end of the day and man, they sat around the dinner table, they went through everything that he did, you know, nap time, snack time, <laughs> recess, all those important things for kindergarten. 
And uh, as he went to bed that night, they tucked him in and he slept great. And the next morning, they went to wake him up. And when they woke him up, he looked at them so confused. They said, come on, Andrew, it's time to wake up. He said, why? (laughs) They said, well, it's time to go to school. And he looked back at them and he said, I already went to school. He was crushed. He had thrown his backpack in the trash. But can I just tell you that when it comes to carrying the message that we've been entrusted with, this is how we look sometimes. Like, oh God, yeah, Mosaic Conference box checked. I'm good with Sharon for a good five, six months. When God says no, hey, tomorrow morning at work, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every moment of your day, where you go, the message goes. You don't need a mic to proclaim the message of truth. You don't need a stage to testify about your Savior. You don't need a worship band to usher in the presence of God. Where you walk, the presence of God goes. Where you speak, his life is suddenly spoken. Come on, can anybody testify? Is anybody a messenger tonight? We're going to carry it. You're going to carry it. You're going to carry it. That's why we're here. Because we've been entrusted with the greatest message. Now, God delivers this message to Moses, right? Like, he's entrusted a pretty holy calling, an awesome destiny to him. But as we read on, we realize that in the moment, Moses has questions. Just like you have questions. Just like I have questions. So let's read about these questions that Moses has. Verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Moses is in a listening posture. God entrusts Moses with a message. And when you read the text, it's as if you can hear the music stop. Moses like raises his hand, excuse me. God, who am I? To which God says back to him, I will be with you. It's interesting, right, that when we come to God with insecurities in our life, God never entertains those insecurities, but he always speaks to his strength that's within us. But even that's not good enough for Moses because God says, I will be with you. And you think, okay, close the book, we're good. But Moses looks right back at God and is like, okay, well, who are you? 
To which God replies, I am who I am. And you may go, ooh, in this room, but most of us are going, what does that mean? (laughs) I am who I am. Well, yeah, it's really important that we figure it out tonight because it has a lot more to do with your destiny than you think. See, the, the two most important questions that you'll ask in your life are, who am I? And God, who are you? And, you know, these two questions are questions that every single person who walks on this earth, they ask in their life. A few years ago, CNN reported that the word of the year, the word of the year was identity. Is that any surprise to you? It's not to me. Because our world has never been more proud to declare who they have the right to be And we've never been more confused as to who we were destined to become. Because hear me today, there's only one person who can answer both of those questions. And this story in Exodus is simply a picture, a foreshadow, a simple taste of what was to come. Because there would come a time in history that God the Father would look down, not just upon the Israelites in slavery in Egypt, but he would look upon all humanity. And he would hear our cries for help. He would see us in our suffering. He would be concerned to the point that he would send a rescue mission that would change history for all of time. He would send his one and only son, Jesus. And when Jesus walked on this earth, he made sense of that statement, I am who I am. Because as he walked, all God, all man, in his time here on earth, he made seven I am statements. He declared, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. I am the light of the world. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Hey, whatever you need him to be tonight, that's who he is. That's who he is. And when you really discover who Jesus truly is, not what someone else has told you about him, but when you experience his love for yourself, you realize that his death and that his resurrection and the price he paid on Calvary 2,000 years ago, it is the bridge between those two questions. Who am I and God, who are you? But hear me tonight, you can't ask who am I until you ask God who are you because who he is changes who you are. Can anybody testify tonight? It's true. It's so true. Who he is changes who you are once and for all. And hear me, today he is saying to you by name, He says, because I died on the cross, not for you, but as you. Because I was buried in the tomb, not for you, but as you. Because I ascended to new life, not for you, but as you. Hear me, my I am's 
have now become your I am's. And you can stand with holy hands lifted and you can declare, I am forgiven. I am justified. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I am the head and not the tail. I am bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. I'm renewed by the power of his strength. I am led by the spirit. I am strengthened from the inside out. I am the DNA of almighty God. If you believe it tonight, give God a shout of praise in this house. He deserves the praise tonight. He deserves it. That's who you are. It's who you are tonight. It's because of the cross. It's because of the cross. Not anything you could ever do, not anything I could ever achieve. But it's the cross of Jesus Christ. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. No, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Come on, you're a child of God tonight. There's no fear that can keep you bound. There's no shame that can put its mark on your destiny. You are a child of God. But hear me. The cross is a bridge, not a seesaw. You don't walk in here on Sunday night, amped up, feeling moved by the moment, and lift hands and sing, I am a child of God, and I'm no longer a slave to fear. And then by Thursday, you're back in the wilderness of doubt and anxiety and bitterness and unforgiveness and shame. No, Jesus paid the price once and for all. Now that you've walked into freedom, now that you've left the wilderness, you walk in it. Now that you've been led into your freedom, you run in it. And understand that the price has been paid for you. You don't go back and forth. No, the price he paid was too great. You got what you need for Thursday. You got what you need to make it. This week, for every single season of your life, can I be honest? Uh, the faith that I found in Jesus as a little girl has been enough for me in every season of life. Yeah, I, I'm 33 years old today, but through the mountains and the valleys of my life, I have not had to go and find a new thing that would fill me up with what I need. He's been enough. And he wants to be enough for you. If you'll just awaken to what he has offered you through his love. Eight years ago, Rich and I, we've been married for 11 years, but eight years ago we started trying to have a family. And doctors told us very quickly as my blood test came back that it's going to be a challenge. And that started for us an eight-year journey of infertility. 
You know, there are people in this room that maybe you're walking through that tonight. Infertility feels a lot like exile. It feels a lot like being in the wilderness. But even in times of doubt and even in times of questions of God, who am I and Lord, who are you? It's been in the moments of waiting that I have found exactly who God is. It's been in moments of waiting that I've found who I am in him. And I came to a place where no, I didn't hold the baby in my arms. But years ago in the middle of our infertility journey, I came to a place where I realized that the baby would be a miracle, but that Jesus will always be my treasure. That he's what I want, he's what I need, that when I wake up in the morning, he's enough to sustain my joy through the day. He's enough to breathe peace and motivation and inspiration. And you know, as I look back on the last eight years of my life, I wouldn't take one minute back. And you say, Don Shree, that's crazy. You're way behind the plan that you had for your family, but you don't understand. Because God's timing is perfect. And as I walk into the season that he prepared for me, I walk in with the knowledge of who he is like I would have never known. And who I am in him like I would have never known because he is faithful and true. And we don't just worship the God of the mountaintop, but we worship the God of the valley. And in every season of your life, he calls you by name. He equips you and he leads you. And he will be faithful to his promises because it's who he is. Um, Didn't he do this for Moses? Moses doesn't just have a one-time encounter with God. And then God's like, hey, figure it out, buddy. Gave you the marching orders. Go for it. Absolutely not. That's not our God. You read the story of Moses and time and time again, God says it again and again and again and again. I told you earlier that I went home for Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving was really special for a lot of reasons. Yes, Friday night football was cool. Yes, I love turkey and potatoes and everything else that that comes with that. But um, Thanksgiving was also really special because uh, my brother got married. And I wanna show you a picture of my family. There's two girls, five boys. This is Dakota. That's Des, that's Lucas, me, then my older sister, she holds it down for all of us, Destiny, Denny Rodney, and David D. There's a lot of D's going on there. (laughs) But right here to my left is my brother Lucas. And Lucas came to live with us 10 years ago, and uh, he was a classmate of Des's, and they played football together, and Lucas came to a place in his life where he literally had nowhere to live. He had no one in his family to depend on. And Des came to my parents and just said, hey, could Lucas stay with us for a week? And you know, a week turned into a month, a month turned into a year. 10 years later, Lucas is my brother. And I love him so much. And that weekend was really special because You know, we were celebrating so many things. And I've watched Lucas as he came into our home as a shy young man and his life began to be spoken over him, grow into such a pillar, a man of God. I mean, he serves and leads at church. I remember celebrating his high school graduation. And then I remember celebrating his engagement. And 
Then we were home for Thanksgiving and we celebrated his wedding. And I think I have a picture of his wedding too. It was really special. Beautiful, right? They look sharp. But you know, as I, as we all gathered to, to celebrate, my dad had set Lucas down, just the two of them, privately and just said, hey Lucas, you're my son. That's it. But understand this, if you want my name, it's yours. If you wanna take my family name, it's yours. You're a part of this family, you don't need to do anything to prove anything, that's it. You're my son forever. But if you want our name, it's yours. And Lucas surprised our whole family and he took on our family name the weekend of the wedding and it was, it was beautiful. It really was. But the, the night before the wedding, you know, you have the rehearsal dinner, right? And the groom's parents put on this dinner for all of the people who are participating in the wedding. And that night, Lucas was so dressed up and Bree was dressed up and my parents were hosting the night. And, you know, they just looked so sharp and they were waiting by the window for the guests to arrive. And they looked like nervous wrecks. And anybody who's gotten married, listen, we've all been there, right? And so my mom and dad walk over to him and walk over to Bree as they're waiting. They say, hey, are you guys okay? And they're like, uh, yeah. But my parents just kind of leaned in and said, hey, do you know that you're making one of the best decisions that you'll ever make in your life tomorrow? Do you know that we are so proud of you? We love you so much. And they just begin to pour out their love. You're gonna have a beautiful legacy. You're gonna have an incredible marriage. God is gonna be faithful to you and you're not in it alone. You got a great bench behind you. We're all behind you, cheering you on, supporting you. It's gonna go great tonight, but tomorrow's just gonna start the greatest adventure of your life. And they looked back at him and they said, do you know that? And Lucas looked back with fear in his eyes and he said, yeah, I know. Can you just say it again? <laughs> and they just began to pour out their love on him. They just began to affirm him, who he really was, to speak destiny and truth and life over him. And hear me, there are people in this room that God the Father wants to do exactly that to you tonight. You know his promises, you know his word, or maybe you don't know anything about him, but you're searching for some meaning and some hope in this life. He brought you here to say it again. And he'll speak his truth over you as many times as you'll listen. Isn't this the picture of Moses in the Bible? That Moses doesn't just have the burning bush experience, but Moses then goes back to Egypt and miraculously leads millions out of captivity, out of slavery. And as he runs and leads them out, they get to the Red Sea. And there is no way to pass it. And Pharaoh's army is hot on their heels. And I can just see Moses. Can you imagine him, this man, looking up at the sky and saying, God, I know you said it back at the burning bush. But God, will you say it again? And God said, I will be with you. And he parted the Red Sea and they walked on dry land and they were not taken back to slavery, but they walked into their freedom. And as they walked into their freedom, they walked into a wilderness, a place that was unknown. And I can just see Moses again 
in another new season of his life that maybe you're in today, going, God, I don't even know how to feed all of these millions of people. Lord, we're gonna die out here in this wilderness. Did you lead me into the unknown just to die? You spoke to me at the burning bush that you were with me, but can you say it again? And I can just see God straight from heaven going, yeah, I'll say it again. You watch me as I say it again. And he sent manna from heaven every morning to feed them as much as they needed. He was saying, I will be with you. I can see Moses still yet at another crossroads. Going, God, we're out here, but we need protection and we need direction. Is anybody there tonight? God, I need protection. I need direction. God, I know you spoke it to me at the burning bush, but Lord, will you say it again? And God said, yeah, I'll say it again. I will be with you. And the Bible says he sent a cloud by day. And he sent a fire by night. You see, Moses couldn't even look at the glory of God. He wasn't allowed to. But you and I, we have seen the glory of God through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Moses, he looked at the burning bush. But you and I, we've been consumed by the fire of the Holy Spirit. He's filled us from the inside out. And let me tell you, if he spoke it to Moses, he'll speak it to you. So let me ask you, what do you need him to say tonight? What do you need him to speak to you? Because if you're listening, he'll speak. Some of you in this room, you need direction. He'll say it again. Lo, I am with you always. My word is a lamp to your feet. It's a light to your path. Some of you need healing in this place. He would say, but he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, you can boast all the more gladly about your weaknesses. Some of you, you feel so heavy with life. But he'll say it again to you tonight if you'll listen. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You're not overcome by this world. You are an overcomer. You were placed in this city not just to occupy it, but to overcome it with the light of Jesus. And as long as you open up your ears, he'll say it again and again and again and again. Are you listening? Listen. Are you listening? All over this house, will you bow your heads? I believe God's speaking to people in this room. I, I know there are people in this room that, you know, as I talk about faith in God, you've never, you've never made that decision. You never stepped into the unknown to, to throw your life into the hands of your creator. I think this is your night. You don't have to pull yourself together. You just have to say, here I am. And if you feel his love drawing you because it's irresistible all over this house, I wanna give you the opportunity to respond, not to me, but to him, to start a relationship with the one who created you. I'm gonna count to three and I'm gonna give you the opportunity just to raise your hand because I wanna pray with you right where you sit. Don't delay, don't hesitate, don't doubt. He loves you, he calls you. Respond, one, 
two, three. All over this house, lift your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. More importantly, he sees you. You can put your hands down. All over this house, there's a second group of people. You know Jesus. But right now you're desperate to hear him say it again. And I don't know exactly what you need him to say. What promise it is that you're standing firmly on that maybe you've been standing on for way longer than eight years. But tonight God brought you so that he could remind you that he's with you and he wants to speak life to you once again. If that's you, you say, Don Cherie, I need him to say it again. Just raise your hand all over this house because I wanna pray for you too. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Hey, can we all just stand to our feet? And as we just stay in this moment, if you'll close your eyes, because I think it's pretty awesome to shut out the distractions. And if you feel comfortable, you can lift your hands. Say, why do we lift our hands? It's just an act of surrender. Saying, God, I release all the junk I've been holding on to. I receive everything you are. I need you. From the back to the front, we're gonna pray a prayer. You repeat it after me for those of you that are deciding to follow Jesus, but we're all gonna pray it together. Just pray this, say, dear Jesus, today I choose to throw my life into your hands. I'm celebrating your rescue. I believe that you gave your life for me. I wanna walk with you. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen, 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 amen. Now, I forgot to tell you the end of a story earlier, but I'm kind of excited because I get to tell it to you now. For those of you in this room that you need to hear God say it again, I testified of God's faithfulness to say it again to me in my eight years of waiting. But before I pray for you, I wanna encourage your faith because I'm 22 weeks pregnant right now with our first baby. I'm pretty excited about it. Okay. And, and what I can tell you is, is that if he's been faithful to me, he's gonna be faithful to you, okay? So let me pray for you. Lift your hands up all over this house. Lord, I thank you for tonight. Thank you that we're family. God, that you have put us together at this time in history so that we can carry your message of truth. But God, before we carry it to others, let us hold it for ourselves. Let us cling to it. Let us stand upon it. Let us know that you are with us. God, that you don't abandon your children. God, that you don't lie. God, that you are faithful and true. And God, with our hands raised, we know that we are equipped for the battle ahead. We know that we have everything that we need, that we are loved, that we are seen, that we are heard. And with our hands lifted high, with our eyes lifted towards heaven, we're gonna worship you tonight like we've never worshiped you. Come on, let's put our hands together. Let's worship our God. Let's sing it out tonight all over this place. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I wanna encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. 
And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.